Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Cool, as we've been uh, talking about last week and a little bit earlier in this uh, session, um, we want to know the will of God for our community. We want to know the will of God uh, for our church. We want to know what God is saying to us as a people. We want to know what his desire is for us. We want to know what his plan uh, is for us. Um, and so there's a bunch of different ways that we could approach that. Like we could imagine that God would want to uh, communicate, you know, just clear instructions to us. Like it would be really great if he would have written, you know, an extra book in the Bible that was like church health and growth um, in COVID-19 2020 instructions uh, for the next step. But that wasn't clear. Like I tried really hard to read the book of Revelation to find that interpretation in there. And I just didn't find it. Like it was, it was not there. There was something about beasts and horns and stars and crystal thrones. And I just couldn't figure out the COVID-19 plan out of it. I really tried. Uh, so there's like some specific things that we need to know uh, for our next steps. Obviously we hear the scriptures calling us to gather. Obviously we hear the scriptures calling us to be a community and to fulfill his mission together. But we want to know uh, what it is. Uh, we want to know God's will. And, and actually, like I said, some of us, we just want to know the data. We want to know like what the clear instructions are. The thing is that we, we don't have a great way of getting that data. We don't uh, have a great way of knowing it. And God doesn't seem usually to speak that specifically to us, although we, we really still actually hope that maybe something uh, in terms of really clear, dramatic message will emerge. But one of the problems as we try to do that as a community is that we have this challenge of our perspective as individuals. Uh, you're looking at these sort of uh, possibilities for us, and I'm just summarizing what we talked about last week. You know, maybe it's having a new building, maybe it's just focusing on small groups, maybe it's continuing in online church, or more likely than anything, it's a possible hybrid of those kinds of things. But if we're seeking God and our perspective is, how could we possibly afford to have a building? Like, I've got so many other things I want to spend my resources on. It'll be hard to hear God say, go and plant your flag in the ground and do a building. Um, if you... Uh, our, if, we, if we think God is broadcasting to us and saying to us, hey, we want to do small groups, we want to focus in intimate small communities scattered throughout the region, well, we're going to have a hard time hearing that if we're the sort of person that is like, man, that kind of intimacy makes me feel really vulnerable, and I'd rather just be a little bit more distant and have a little bit more uh, autonomy, a little bit more privacy, a little bit more uh, disconnection from the community, if that intimacy of small groups frightens you, then you're going to have a hard time hearing that message from God saying, hey, we want you to gather in that way. Or if it's uh, God's calling us to just continue on with online church and you're like me, you're like a social person who really, really is desperate to see his community and lay his hands on them, I'd have a really hard time hearing God just say, yeah, just stay online for a year. In fact, I really, really don't want him to say that, right? So I have to come into prayer uh, with, a, with a heart that is saying, God, what is your mind? What are your thoughts? What do you really want to broadcast to us? The idea is that we won't really get good data unless God gets our hearts. We won't really get God good data unless he gets our hearts. And so uh, last week we looked at this text. Um, one, just huge encouragement uh, so that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Like, that's God's desire for us. Paul is telling the church in Rome, you know, God's desire is that you will be able to figure out what he wants. That you'll have an ability to test, approve, and make that determination. But part of making that happen 
is that you can't be conformed to the pattern of this world. You can't be thinking with the world's values. You can't be thinking through the lens of materialism. You can't be thinking through the lens of individualism or whatever it is. To hear God's plan for his church, you have to disconnect, decouple uh, from the thinking of the world to think the way Jesus thinks. You have to uh, connect his way. You have to have your mind transformed. By that we mean like something supernatural, like God rewiring us, uh, rebuilding us, causing our minds to operate like the mind of Christ in a supernatural way. And partly it just means taking on board uh, the knowledge that he wants us to have, uh, knowing our scriptures, um, being discipled, being people who have learned. uh, The illustration we used last week was we need a new firmware update. We need a new uh, upload. We need new software. Uh, We need to take out the old software and just upload the new software and let it be that God, God's thoughts become our new operating system. So that's what we're after. So it's not about information. It's about transformation. That's sort of where we left off last week. It's not about information. It's about transformation. And this beginning part of our prayer process is us being transformed and becoming more like Christ. Uh, The first part, and so what we were doing is sort of reverse engineering from God wants you to know his will. These are two things that you need. And then this third thing that's really important in knowing God's will is happens in the verse before in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse one. And it reads like this. We read it earlier. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So if we're going to seek God, on direction for the church, are we listening to him as a consumer or are we listening to him as a sacrifice, the consumed? It's a really, really important question for us. And we're going to walk through uh, that piece of Romans 12 in just a moment, but isn't that a challenging question for us? If you're looking uh, at the church and you're saying, what do I want this church to be? You're going to get a very, very different answer if you're saying, how can this church serve me? How can this church just meet my needs? How can this church be a program that I can uh, adopt into my life versus I'm a part of this church, I'm a part of this body, and I'm deeply, intimately connected to it? So that's a question for you. Has church become a part of your life, a program that you've added in, uh, time slots that you've set for it uh, during the week? Uh, one of the things you do along with the other things that you do? Or have you become part of God's church? Is church a part of your life, one of many parts? Or have you, all of you, has it become a part? Have you become a part of that church? So here's some questions to help sort of uh, identify and ask that question for us. Uh, do you like some Christian ideas or some Christian thought important to you? Or are the creeds of the church, the things that we really believe as Christians, are they the foundation that you're standing on for your life? Do you like some Christian ideas or are the creeds of the church the foundation that you're standing on? Uh, Is the church a social club? Or is it a covenantal community to which you're responsible and accountable? Is it somewhere you go because it feels good to see your friends? And that's that's a good thing. That's an okay reason. Uh, that sort of uh, sort of simplistic idea of fellowship is is totally legit. We all need friendships, and that's part of what the church offers us. But is it deeper than that? Is it a covenantal community? Do we have a binding agreement to be committed and responsible to that community and accountable to it? 
or if you're a accountable person, you're going to pray differently than if you're, again, a consumer or going to a social club. Is the preaching of the scriptures like a vitamin supplement that you sometimes forget to take? <laughs> right? Or is the preaching of the scriptures the bread that you eat? Uh, I mean, this is a, I'm now this is a preacher talking, but, you know, what happens in the pulpit if it's Jake or if it's Matt or if we got like the worst preacher in the world in here? <laughs> Honestly, there's something sacred about somebody who is preaching the word of God to you for your local church, for your community. And even if it's delivered as badly as I deliver it, right? <laughs> there's authority in the scriptures and in what I'm trying to teach, regardless of, of my ability or inability or skill or unskill, right? The preaching of the word of God is the bread that we eat in the church. Uh, is corporate worship a nice pick-me-up for you? Does it feel like great to come back from worship? Totally it does. But is it an uncontainable, obligatory passion to thank Jesus and glorify him and acknowledge him for all his worth? Is that why we gather? To acknowledge the glory of God. If we're praying for the future of the church and it's a nice pick-me-up, our listening, our answers that we're going to be hearing from God are different than if it's a passion to glorify his name in community among the saints. Is the Bible a comforting book? Or is it your only rule of faith and practice? Is it what guides you, what informs you, what teaches you, what directs your steps? Is the church's mission an occasional activity that you would do on a weekend when we have a mission project planned? Or is it your true and holy vocation, the thing that you were made to do? These are challenging questions. Is the church a weekly program you attend, or is it... A divine organism, organism of which you are inseparably a part. Inseparably a part. Yeah, so big, big questions. Big questions. Uh, just guys to let you know, there's a, something on the YouTube channel there saying, where did we go? The tech challenged people are panicking. So I'm not sure what's going on. Um, so the question really is, is have we become part of the church? Have we become part of the church? Have we become part of something? And so we look back to Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I just want to highlight that phrase, in view of God's mercy. Uh, this passage is connected to the one before. And the one before is this incredible doxology that's talking about the, the incredible grace of God. So when we're talking about living sacrifices, being people who are laying down our lives to follow Jesus, being laying down our lives to build the church, uh, we're not talking about a religious thing. Uh, Romans eleven thirty five says this, or who has given a gift to him that it might be repaid, right? We're not talking about 
atoning for our own sins. We're not talking about paying for salvation. You know, sometimes like it's, uh, have you ever had a gift at Christmas that somebody has given you something and it's just felt like it's just over the top. It's felt so wonderful, felt like such an incredibly generous gift and something in you uh, just wants to like get your gift that you got for them up to that same level, right? You know what that feels like? You're like, oh dang, like they bought me like this and I bought them like a little, I got them a card, like, holy smokes, I got to figure out how to, you know, make, make this right and, and get my gift up to par. Right. Well, that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about that kind of religious need to build up the religious need to sort of, so how could we possibly equal the incredible sacrifice of Christ? So we're not talking about something that's filled with that sort of duty, obligatory, uh, pay for kind of deal. It's not about that kind of religious atonement. We see the clue for what it's about in the word that Paul uses here in that same verse for offer. That word offer is a, is a compound word, parahistemi, which means uh, to give from close beside. So that word para is close beside, like a parachurch industry or paratranspo. It's like a, something that assists the transportation system. Or a parachurch ministry is a ministry that assists the church. It's a close beside ministry. Um, and then just standing there. So what you're imagining in terms of an offering, uh, and this is an illustration that's sort of used fairly often, is you're uh, you're displaying something. You've got really something really wicked on your phone. You've got a, a picture, an image, a meme, whatever it is, and you want to show your friend. And you're going up right beside them, and you're like, hey, here, here you go. Have a look at this thing. I'm right here with you. I want to share this experience with you. So that's what it means. That's the place from which you offer a sacrifice. We imagine offering sacrifice as people who are just absolutely worms down in the dirt. And we are, we are in that very real sense, small before a mighty God. But he's invited us as brothers, as sisters to come alongside uh, and to share in his sacrifice with him to share in this experience with him. We lay down our lives as he's laid down his life. We do it in fellowship, in partnership with him, not to get into his presence. Uh, the offering is not to get you there. It's what you offer because you're excited to be already there. It's a gift of incredible grace. It's a gift given within the presence of God. And so we have to, when we say sacrifice and talk about it, we have to take that sort of religious, uh, I am a worm, God hates me, I got to somehow get to him vibe out of the picture because he's already loved us while we were still sinners and invited us into his presence. He saved us by his grace. And now we offer our bodies, offer our lives as living sacrifices simply to identify with him and to say thanks. Uh, so this next little bit, it's offer your bodies. And I just wanted to note that. Like Paul is using a word that speaks to like your, your physical self. We often think of offering sacrifices as metaphorical. Uh, we often think of offering sacrifices as, man, my heart is just so for the church. I just really care about it. I'm just going to pray. Well, that's a part of it, right? Like we want to be prayerful people. We want to have hearts that are passionately committed to him, passionately committed to his body. But at the same time, he wants our bodies passionately committed to his body. He's using a very, very uh, visceral word here, a very, very tangible, practical word here. Um, the word body is somata. It just means your physical body. And the sacrifice, it's not like, again, a metaphorical thing. It's not like um, talking about, say, um, an incense offering or something like that from the Old Testament pattern. It's talking about the victim of the sacrifice, the actual lamb that's laid down on the altar. So our lives are meant to be a giving 
in a way that's actually costing us something tangible of ourselves, our time, our energy. And so if we're going, like just to bring us back to our original thing, we're praying for the life of the community. If we're praying for an outcome for the church and listening to God for an outcome for the church, but hoping that that answer from God about what we're supposed to be isn't costing us anything physically in terms of our time, in terms of our energy, we're barking up the wrong tree because we are called to lay down our lives. We're called to give our lives uh, for Christ. We're called to give our lives to him in very, very tangible ways. Mother Teresa knew this well. She says this, she says, a sacrifice to be real must cost, it must hurt, and must empty ourselves. Give yourself fully to God. He will use you to accomplish great things on the condition that you believe much more in his love than in your weakness. That is really powerful. As we give ourselves sacrificially, we have to believe in his passion to care for us so much more than we uh, believe in our limited resources that we have to give. We have to believe that he generously supplies life and strength for us. He generously supplies uh, life. He generously supplies financial resources. He generously supplies whatever it is that ultimately what we give Um He is pouring into our lives in a radical way. So we give till it hurts. We give into our weakness. We give ourselves into a place of weakness and trust in his ultimate saving, transforming love. And that's what Paul's talking about when he talks about living. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice that's filled with the breath of life. That as we lay our lives down, We are filled with life. We find true, full, vibrant life in self-sacrifice. And this is what Jesus was teaching. This isn't just Paul. Uh, People often sort of say, oh, Paul, man, he was so harsh. Jesus was so nice. Like, I just wish that we could go back to the sweet, nice, loving, gentle Jesus and forget this uh, hard guy, Paul. But listen to what Jesus says, right? Jesus is is the real deal. Uh, We can't just listen to some of the things he says and not some of the other things. But remember, there's life in all this. But look at Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 38. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. That's not a pretty image for anybody in Jesus' time to take up your cross and follow me. For whoever would find his life, do you want life? Will lose it. Whoever would find his life must lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will find it. It's an incredible exchange there. Exactly what Mother Teresa was talking about. Exactly what Paul is talking about in Romans 12.1. That as we lay down our lives as a sacrifice, we truly truly come alive. We truly find life. So to follow Jesus as a church will cost us everything. If we're really following him, we want to be people who could say, I am willing for this mission to cost us everything. Cost me everything. But here's the deal. In hindsight, you'll feel like it's cost you nothing. You'll absolutely feel like it's cost you nothing. By comparison, the glory that awaits 
completely outweighs the cost. And we see this again and again and again in Jesus' teaching, that uh, the treasure in heaven outweighs the value of that which rust and moths destroy. So we have to have a heart on Jesus' purposes, not our own purposes or our own resources. So as we seek God for the future of our church, are we praying for the program? Or are we praying to find true life? Like true, abundant life. The life of a sacrifice is love-filled, true, vibrant, holy, luminescent, glorious, eternal, joyful, radiant life. Is that the life you want? Or do we want a life playing with our toys? It's challenging for us. It's challenging for me. It's challenging uh, for every one of us who has any material thing. Who protects anything about self. To say this. But if we lay self down as we pray, God's going to point us to a path that we're going to get way more life than we ever could possibly lay down in the first place. Just to go back to that previous slide. To follow Jesus will cost you everything, but in hindsight, it will feel like it really cost you nothing. So we have to pray in that radically self-sacrificial way. And that's it. That's the message uh, for today. Jake, you can come and we can pray. Um, I just want to say to... Um, you know, those of you that uh, are maybe here, you're maybe on the stream, um, thinking about um, this whole idea of Jesus and sacrifice and dying on the cross. This is, this sounds like an incredible thing that Jesus has done for me. I don't know if I've received that yet. I don't know if I've accepted that yet. I don't know if I've given my life over to him at all yet in the radical way that the scriptures seem to be talking about. I just want to encourage you to just give your heart to Jesus. Give your life to him. Uh, begin to track with him. Begin to become a disciple, a follower of him. And uh, true, true life uh, is, is awaiting. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.